But God brought judgment upon them and he allowed them to live. I believe. Because of the word mauled. It doesn't mean killed. It didn't kill them. But he, those two female bears had the mastery over these 42 young men. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, Then he, Elisha, went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head. They mocked Elisha because of his apparent baldness and because of his connection with the prophet Elijah. The idea behind the words go up was that Elisha should go up to heaven like Elijah did. It mocked Elisha, his mentor Elijah, and the God they served. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are also mocked at times because of our belief. Now here's Pastor Rob. Prophets were slow to learn and believe what the Spirit of God had already told them. Didn't he tell them? He did tell them. The Bible doesn't tell us specifically when he did, but they knew that God was going to take Elijah to heaven. Why wasn't that good enough? Why did they have to argue with God and say, no, just to make sure, we're going to go see if we can find him over on the mountain over there or in the valley. And he's like, why are you bothering? Don't, Don't you believe what God, what the Spirit of God told you? It's so important to believe what God says. He's not going to deceive us. He's not going to lead us in a direction that he doesn't want us to go. No, he wants to lead us into all truth. He wants to lead us to a glorious future. That's his heart. And anybody who thinks differently doesn't understand the nature of God. Yes, he sometimes allows us to go through difficult things, but there's more reasons why we have to go through difficult things than for him just to ruin our fun. No, he's building your character. And your character and the character of people in the church today is so important. The character of our kids as they grow up is so important right now. Let's be parents. Let's be parents and not our best friend to our child. We need to tell them no. We need to tell them no, you can't. I'm sorry. I can't let you do that right now. But there's coming a day when you're going to be able to do things, but not now. Be patient. And when they came back to him, they said, we, uh, you know, they didn't find him. He said, didn't I tell you not to go? And it's true. Now, these first 18 verses bring to my mind, I'm going to take a little time here, just a few minutes And because we're running out of time, I'm just going to abbreviate it a little bit for you. These first 18 verses bring into my mind these two witnesses of Revelation 11. You remember in Revelation 11, it says that 
uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple and the altar and those who worship there, but leave out the court which is on the outside of the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles. And they will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months, or three and a half years, and I will give power, notice, to my two witnesses. So there's going to be two witnesses in the end days, after the church has been removed, during the great tribulation period, there's going to be two witnesses that are going to be raised up. And notice what God says. He says, I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth, which is 42 months or three and a half years. But these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before God of the whole earth. And if anyone tries to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth, devours their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven, notice that, so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood. Doesn't that sound like Moses? And to strike the earth with all plagues, doesn't that sound like Moses? Doesn't the fire coming from heaven, doesn't that sound like Elijah? The Bible says that it's been appointed man once to die, but Elijah was never dead. When he ascended into heaven, he didn't die. God translated him. He did something because he's up there. But I'm not the only one that thinks it's very possible that these two witnesses are Elijah that we're reading about tonight and even Moses representing the law and the prophets. And Elijah, you know, could be representative of those who would be raptured or translated and not taste death when the rapture of the church occurs. You know, Elijah could represent those people because he was taken up when he wasn't killed. And we know that 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 part of the resurrection will happen when the church is raptured. It says that the the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive will be uh, caught up together in the Lord in the air. And then Moses, he would represent the Old Testament saints who would be raised at the beginning of the millennium. We know there's going to be another phase of this first resurrection that the Bible talks about, another phase of it. There's three phases to it, Christ being the first fruits, and then the rapture of the church, and then those Old Testament saints that will be resurrected at the beginning of the millennial reign. Daniel 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us so. And he tells us that it's after the tribulation period that this occurs, which is the beginning, at the end of the tribulation, is the beginning of Christ's millennial reign. And then besides all that, Malachi tells us this, Malachi 4, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. What is the great dreadful day of the Lord? When he comes back in wrath to the earth. So before that happens, Elijah is coming. So I believe that Elijah and Moses will be those two. And even on the Mount of Transfiguration, remember when Jesus was up on the Mount with Matthew, Mark, and Luke? or I'm sorry, um, Peter, James, and John, excuse me. And who was it that visited them while Jesus was transfigured before them? Moses and Elijah. It was Moses and Elijah. So verse 19, going on, it says, Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice, so now that Elisha experiences this separation from Elijah on the eastern side of the Jericho, 
or I'm sorry, eastern side of the Jordan River. He comes now over into the eastern side, or the western side of the Jordan. He crosses over again, and he goes directly over to Jericho. And there he is, and then they come to him, and they say, please notice the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the ground is barren, because there's something wrong with the water, because it's not drinkable, and certainly when we use it for agricultural purposes, nothing is growing, there's something tainted in this water, and so uh, Elisha said, bring me a new bowl, notice this, a new bowl, and it, it represents, like Elijah, there's something new happening here. Just like there's an Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes, the New Testament. Christ is the supreme. He's the new bull. <laughs> but even more so. But he says, bring me a new bull and put salt in it. And so they brought it to him. And salt, as you know, is always used as a preservative. It's also used as an antiseptic. But it's also a miracle because you can pour salt in a body of water that's not doing well all day. And it's not going to heal the body of water. God is going to have to do something. And certainly in this case, he did. So they went out to the source of the water. They cast in the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. And from it, there shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day. There's even a spring in Israel that's called um, uh, Elisha's Spring. And it's a freshwater spring. And it's still going from what I understand. So the water remained healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. And then he went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up the road... Now, it's interesting, because if you've ever been to Israel, you know that when we, when we, when we come down from the, from the north and we drive down the Jordan Valley and you get down to the road in the Jordan Valley, you have to take a right, because we're going south, you have to take a right, and there's this road that goes all the way up to Jerusalem on the Mount Moriah mountain range. And so this, this road is a very ancient road, and they've just paved it. They've made it like two or three lanes on each side, but it goes up there now. But a long time ago, that was the road they would use to travel because it was right between two mountains, and they could get a car or walk and, and, and do this meandering path all the way up to Jerusalem, and it's there today. And right to the right of that hill is Jer- uh, um, Jericho, and then you have Gilgal, which we believe is over in this area here. And so as Elisha is making his way up, and he's going to go up, and then he's going to take a right-hand turn and go up to Bethel, that there were some youths, and these, it says youths, but these uh, could be anybody from the ages of 6 to 20 years old. So these weren't little kids. These were young teenagers, uh, probably, or young men who were teasing um, Elisha. And remember, these may, may even have been false prophets of Baal, these young men who were teasing Elijah. And notice what they said. They mocked him and they said, go up, bald head, go up, bald head. And when they said, go up, bald head, what do you think that they're meaning? They heard about what happened to Elijah. He went up. So they're thinking, you, go up. Get out of our way. Get out of our... We don't want you. We want to worship Baal. We want to do our own thing. And we don't need another prophet like you. So hit the road, Jack. <laughs> go up, bald head, just like your master. Go up. They were also despising God's word because God said that this was going to happen. So now they're mocking God's word. Now they are mocking the, the office of this prophet. 
And in the Old Testament, there was always a consequence for disobedience. And I'm going to read this to you. This is very interesting. You might want to put Leviticus 26, verse 21 and 22. Leviticus 26, verse 21 through 22. Let me just read it to you because it's very pertinent to what's about to happen. In Leviticus 26, verse 21, it says, God is speaking about the consequences of disobedience. And he says, then, if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, God says, I will bring you, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. And notice verse 22, here it is. And I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, destroy your livestock, and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. So if they didn't, if they don't repent and give their heart to Christ, people who mock God and his servants, they are going to suffer God's vengeance. If they don't turn from their sin, if they continue to mock God and they mock his people and they are unrepentant when they take their last breath, God will give them the desire of their heart, and that's to go party with their friends in hell. And let me tell you something. If you think there's a party in hell for your friends, you're, you're sadly mistaken. There's no party in hell. There's misery and pain. And it's for eternity, folks. And that may be hard for you to swallow, but guess what? God is a loving God, but as much of a loving God he is, he's also a God of judgment. Never forget that that's the other side of the coin. As much as he loves, so great is his wrath as well. And that's where you will go if you reject God. It's up to you. It's in your hands. You can make a choice on where you go tonight. If I were you, I would give you some encouragement, and I'd say, choose Christ. I did. Because I was choosing hell before I came to Christ, and I was living a miserable life. Oh, the party. At the moment, everything is fun. But then I wake up on the floor in a pool of vomit the next day, or wake up next to somebody I've never met before. Is that your experience? Does that sound like a happy time? No, it's not happy. In Second Peter chapter 3, even in our days, come in, in, the, in the times that we live in, what did Peter tell us in Second Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 3? He says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according notice to their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Again, doing the same thing they're doing to Elisha. Go up, bald head. Go up, bald head. You know, uh, scorning the word of God and, and, then, and then scoffing at other peoples. And they're saying, where is the promise of his coming? Where is the rapture? You guys have been talking about this forever. When is it going to happen? And when is it going to happen? Is it really going to happen? I don't think it's really going to happen. And have you had anybody do that to you? Just kind of taunt you? Oh, waiting for the rapture. Are you going to escape the, the bad times? Yes, I am going to escape the bad times. And you would do well to think the same because... You may want to call me on a cell phone when you're going through the tribulation and, and you're, not, you're, not going to get, you're going to get a busy signal from my end because you've been told ahead of time. right? But what does it tell us? What does Second Peter tell us? And we'll finish in just a moment. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> and they say, these scoffers, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And notice what Peter says, for this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved, notice, for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Yes, ungodly men are going to be judged. 
And then there's the, the real judgment that, that it tells us about in Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. That, that's the spiritual judgment that will last forever. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like really bad. You get, you get judged, and then you really get judged. I don't know about you, but I would rather just believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, and, he, and God judged him on my behalf, and I believe in that, and I'm, in hev- and I, and I'm, and I'm, I'm good with God. <laughs> that's what I want. Do you, do you want that? I want that. I'm like, yes. But notice, finally, verse 24. So he turned around and he looked at them as they're saying, go up, bald head, go up, bald head. And notice he pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord and two female bears. By the way, if you're ever in the forest, like uh, Pastor Mark and Lisa were in Colorado recently, and they saw a a big, fat, 450-pound female bear in their path, just turn around. Don't run because they hate it when you run because they're going to chase you. Just look at them and go. <laughs> and, just, and just slowly walk away. And every now and then just kind of look over your shoulder to see if she's charging you. But just, just get out of the way. Don't, don't, don't even get in there. Just, in fact, don't even go to Colorado. Okay, Just stay out of Colorado. And for heaven's sake, if you're going to go on a thing, bring an elephant gun and, and, and spray and a nuclear bomb stretched to your back. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do all that. But notice, he pronounced this curse, and two female bears, mama bears, they're the worst. Oh, my goodness. Don't ever make mama bear angry. They came out of the woods, and they mauled 42 of these youths. Now, that may sound like a really horrible thing for God to do, but I want to tell you something. The word mauled there doesn't mean kill. It means they got ripped into. They got tore up. Maybe some of them did die, but the word doesn't say that they were mauled to death. It says that they were torn. They may have lost chunks and pieces, and they were scraped up pretty bad, and they were probably a bloody mess. But God brought judgment upon them, and he allowed them to live, I believe, because of the word mauled. It doesn't mean killed. It didn't kill them, but those two female bears had the mastery over these 42 young men. And I don't know about you, but pain has a good way of teaching. I learn really well by pain. I very rarely learn by when things are going well, but when I experience pain, I learn really quickly. I learn when I put my hand on the stove and it's red hot. I don't do that again. In fact, I'll never do that again. When I see a red hot stove, I'm not going to put my hand on it. I learn by pain. Does it, can anybody relate? I always, for some reason, I always learn. I learn really well by pain. When God turns up the heat, I'm like, okay, I got the message. But some people, God's got a, he, he turns up the heat and they're like, huh? And they're still walking along doing their same old sin and they're like, what, what's that? And they're seared. Their consciences have been seared. You don't want to be seared, do you? But unfortunately, our culture today is removing any painful consequences of things that are going on that people are doing wrong. They're removing all the pain from it. Oh, you robbed a bank? That's your first time offense? Stop that. Don't do that again. You're free to go. $500 check, though. Is that what's happening? Oh, you shot that poor man on cold blood? Don't do that. Stop that. Don't do that again. You've got to say you're sorry. Say you're sorry three times and then write a check for $1,000. You can be on your way. So crime does pay. 
All right? But pain is a great teacher. I learn by pain. God doesn't want me to learn by pain. He'd much rather just tell me to do the right thing, and I would just do the right thing. But because I'm a rascal, because I'm a nincompoop, I have to continue doing the bad thing, and then he's got he's to he's judge it. He's got to get my attention. And, and as a believer, he chastens me. He chastens me. And I go through a chastening, but the, the end result is instruction to get me to change. But if you're an unbeliever, and you think that you can continue in your darkness and your sin, when you've been told over and over and time and time again, don't do that, don't do that, this is what the Bible, don't do that, ah, I got away with it 300 times before, I'm going to do it, and then that very next time, his life is taken. These things happen. But notice, so I don't, I don't think that God, the Bible says that God does not delight, certainly in the death of the wicked. He doesn't delight in judgment. The Bible also says that it's his strange work. It's not something that he likes to do. He'd much rather bless you. How many of you want the blessing of God? Raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, we all do. We want the blessing of God. I love God's blessings. They're without repentance. And, 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 I, and I love being blessed by God because he gives me things that I don't deserve, and he gives them to me in a, at a time when I'm able to deal with it, when I'm able to handle it, but not until then. And so, verse 25, finally, and then we'll pray. Then he went from there, notice, he went from this place, he went to Mount Carmel, which is another pretty long traveling by foot, all the way up into the northern part, over there on the coast, where the Mount Carmel is. No, it's not Mount Carmel, it's Mount Carmel. Carmel, not Carmel, like they say in Penfield. I'm going to put a caramel in my mouth. No, it's not Carmel. That's the way they say it in Texas. But in, we say Carmel. Carmel. So he went up to, there to Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria, which was the capital of the northern ten tribes. And so uh, a pretty interesting chapter, just the beginning of Elisha's ministry, the end of the old guard, the beginning of the new guard. And again, you know, the, these things have to happen, and it's never easy. And you, you just see it in the text. Read it again tonight, and just uh, and maybe you've been through something like that, where you've experienced a, a passing of someone that has been influential in your life, and, and now it's time for you to get on your own feet. It's time for you to move forward and to grow in faith and to grow up. And um, it's always a, a difficult thing. So let's stand and pray. Yeah? Father, we just thank you for this time together. And Lord, we thank you for the examples in your word. Lord, we ask that you would just continue to teach us, Lord, um, how, to, how to be, Lord, uh, to develop a character, Lord, that is um, pleasing to you, Lord. And Father, as we think about Elijah and Elisha, Lord, I pray that you'd birth within each of us, Lord, a, a heart's a desire, Lord, to not only be a mentor for some other young person in our life, but also to be willing to be mentored by somebody who perhaps is older than us or older in the Lord. And so, Lord, give us those right hearts. And, and, and again, thank you for your word, Lord, and how it encourages us. Lord, thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great night. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings.
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.